um, talk to me about the academy. What do you think of our academy? Um, what did I think about our academy? That's something somebody does when they don't know the answer to something, and then they just repeat the question. As I've learned in this profession, yeah, I'm tr- it's not that I don't know the answer to it. It's that it's a complicated. Who is going to be watching this later? And am I worried? Well, you about can say whatever you want. Offend them. Yeah, That's, this is a very small show. You have no worries. <laughs> our academy is great in many ways. Um, I was definitely more physically fit uh, coming out of it than I went into it. Uh, the defensive tactics um, were very good. I, I learned a lot about use of force and um, the things that will keep you alive in the profession. This is such a political answer. It is. Cause, but I'm getting to the, the <laughs> negatives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Handbook, your guide to life, leadership, and health. I'm your host, Gene Reed. That quote you just heard was our guest for episode number 14, Mr. Dave DiNardo. Dave and I have been uh, friends and co-workers for about the last 10 years. I wanted to have Dave on. We kind of did, well, I kind of did an experiment with this one. We had no plan going into it. You know, Dave and I worked together for about six years in detectives together, and we used to have these great conversations. So I wanted to see if I could capture one of those today, and I think we did that. We had fun with this one. No real rhyme or reason for anything, but we, you know, we did bring up some good things about mental health and fitness, and definitely aligned with the principles of the show. But I had fun; Dave had fun, so that's really all that matters. So I hope everyone enjoys it. And as always, if you learn something, share something. Thank you. I think it's fitting for me to give some type of introduction for you. Go. How long have we known each other? Like ten years? Yeah, at least. And we were, what, cubicle partners for three of those? Well, more than that, because, like, property we were, before you moved to our major crimes, we were in property together. All right, so we were, we've were we worked together for five or six years. Actually shared We were at initiation, or not initiation, orientation together. We just didn't know it, right? Yeah, that's true. We hired the same day. I guess my point is we've shared a lot of long nights, early mornings, oh, sleepless, yeah. sleep deprivation, all that good stuff. Correct. So this last podcast I did, this is really going to sum up our relationship, I think. (laughs) Last podcast I did with Ranger Smitty. Vince does an awesome video. First time I did a video for the podcast. Something I was really proud of. I thought it was a great conversation the whole night. I send it to you. Yes. And I'm really proud of it. It's something that I was like, man, this is like really going to take off now. I know where this is coming. And what do you say? (laughs) Not like, hey, dude, great job, Gene. I'm really proud of you. It was, man, that you look really small in the beginning. (laughs) That's what you said. Uh, and that was it. You never constructive said constructive criticism. Yeah, and my arms are small. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working on this with my, you know, my home life, right? Trying to be more supportive and yeah, well, you uh, failed. Fi- you know, pointing out the positive things before the negative. And, you didn't do that uh, though. Well, like assertive communication, right? Trying sure. to Yeah. But that's kind of you know sums us up, I guess. You have to give some type of background for people because you do have like an interesting. Like me, I started in policing when I was 18, so you did not. I did not. Uh, can you give people some semblance of your background? Uh, so, uh, my dad was in law enforcement, still is, I guess. So, it's kind of law enforcement's always been in my life. Uh, but I went to culinary school. Um, got a degree from Johnson and Wales University up in Providence. My family had a uh, famous crab restaurant 
in the city. And uh, I was like, ah, I'm going to go be a cook. Did you get fat before or after being a cook? Before, during, and after. <laughs> How's that? Um, so I'm going to go, you know, be a chef, learn the restaurant business, reopen the restaurant. And after about three years, I was like, man, this is a terrible life. Why? Um, the real world chef, you know, it's not what's on TV. It's not the Food Network. It is 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week. Um, what's the pay like? Not good. Mm. Um, not, not good. Unless you're a business owner. Right. Right. And is that how it goes a lot of times? Like a chef will open a restaurant if they're dedicated and good enough. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But it's, you know, once you become an owner, then it's a 24 hour a day job. I mean, if your dishwasher doesn't show up to work, you're back there washing dishes. You yeah. know, it's a lot, a lot of responsibility. So as I got older, I just realized, you know, cooking was not um, conducive to having a family uh, or that, that life, which I think when I was younger, I was like, oh, I, I have uh, four brothers, number two of five. So I think when I grew up, I was like, I do not want kids. I, yeah. I want to, you know, travel, you know, go work on a cruise ship or something. And then as you get older, you kind of change. Like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I do want a family. And I just couldn't see that happening with the uh, the cooking world. I mean, well, so were you like the, you weren't a head chef, were you? Or? No. Oh, okay. no. Went through school, um, went down on an internship down in Georgia, stayed there a little bit longer and kept working, kind of got homesick a little bit. And I was like, yeah, ready to come home. Um, got a job at a uh, local gym and uh, what? kept going to school down in Delaware. What gym? Hocaston Athletic Club. Oh, that's right. You worked at the front desk. At the front desk. Yeah. That's how you developed your people skills. Correct. Mm -hmm. People skills. Well, yeah. And then kind of in the middle of that, um, I started working at a bank in customer service sales and I got some people skills from there as well. So we recently did certified instructor school together. We did. What did you think about that? The training itself. One of the best trainings that I've had. Absolutely. Uh, at the agency. Yeah, I got a lot of shit for it because I hadn't, like, I pro I should have had that course. You should have. Five years ago. Yes, the it was just one of those things I kept putting off and putting off. However, right. I'm glad I took it when I did. Why is that? Because I was the only sergeant in the room, right? I was the only supervisor. Right. And I felt, I felt like I had to perform at a higher level because I felt like there was more expectation for me to do well. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I couldn't just go in there and just... Did I put that pressure on you? Is that something you put on yourself? I think I put it on myself. Because nobody else would probably care, but I definitely held you to a higher standard. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. No, but I think... I definitely held myself to that standard, I think. But you being in there definitely had something to do with it, too. And JP teaching it. Yeah. That was another one. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't go in there and shit the bed. You know what I mean? I do. JP was my uh, primary FTO. Hmm. So I kind of felt a little, not that I really cared, but yeah. I guess I could feel some kind of pressure. Don't want to let him down. You got uncomfortable a couple of times, right? Oh, absolutely. During the, the what, you get a random thing. word or whatever? The lie thing. Like, um, what was it? Each You had to like debate about what thing was better or worse. Oh, the debate. And yeah, I was like, I could not say My that. debate was, it was me and uh, Hamilton. It was like... 
women are the superior species or something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I just well, they are. My whole talking point was that women can give birth and men can't. <laughs> I just I just rolled with it. I don't know who's going to argue that, really. You, you know, know, you were talking about the lemon storm, one of your presentations, and that came up last night. Uh, no, because I bailed somebody out. Somebody was giving a presentation, and they were stalling. And I, like, raised my hand and started talking about lemons. Is that, yeah, okay, that's what it was, right, the detoxing. So that's why it, comes, now it comes up in my house all the time, right? Because every time I make lemon water, uh, I say, I'm just I'm de detoxifying myself yeah, right not true. now. And then my wife gets mad because I told her how you said, you know, there's yeah. no such thing. Your liver does that for you. So I say it's not true, but that, I don't really, I haven't really done extensive research. I haven't read peer reviewed journal articles on whether lemons actually have a detoxifying effect. Why would lemons have a detoxifying effect? I don't know. Somebody probably had a really good business strategy once and they started talking about lemons detoxifying people. I have no idea. There, there's got to be some truth to it, right? Fair enough. So I'm assuming you're, is Bonnie on board with it being a detoxifying thing? No, she pretty much listens to whatever I say. If I give her a reason why something yeah. is or isn't accurate, she'll. That's how I've gotten by most of my life. I know like a couple facts about a lot of things, you know what I mean? That gets you through the door. A lot of people and most people won't challenge you <laughs> after that. So A BS artist. Yeah. Why did you get into uh, policing? Other than your dad being a cop, um, so I still think I I, I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, after I came back and realized I didn't want to get into cooking, and then I got into the whole bank thing, and that was kind of cool. But I was sitting around a cubicle, and I like numbers, and that was fun. But let's talk about the bank thing. Totally going to go off on different tirades here. All right, well, yeah, go for it. Because you gave your presentation and certified instructor about why you should not pay your home off early, right? Yeah, right. And you had me convinced of that, and then we went and sold our house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, in a matter of two weeks, I, I changed your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you haven't sold it yet. We had an inspection coming up on Friday. Okay, that's good. Are you worried about anything with the inspection? No. I'm not changing anything. You've already made that clear with the... You, there's no reason to right now with no, the way the market is. Absolutely not. Listen, if there's some minor things here and there that maybe, I don't know, but... I can't see what would possibly be wrong with our house. We've been living there the last seven years. You know what I mean? We haven't had any problems. Is the water pressure not great sometimes? Maybe. Probably shouldn't say that right now. <laughs> if your buyers are going to be watching. Nah, this isn't going to come out till after the inspection. So oh, okay. All right. They'll find out. Um, yeah, talk, talk to me about the banking world because, again, I have no experience in that whatsoever. But your father-in-law is... My father-in-law uh, is a doctor to finance. Uh taught for almost 40 years at St. Joe's up in Philly. And when my wife and I got married and he just kind of slowly kind of made his way in, kind of told me more about investing. Um, and I found out probably recently, I mean, he still has a mortgage on his house. I mean, he's mm. 70 some years old and still has a mortgage. And we, you know, we started talking about it. You know, I thought he would have paid it off and basically, uh, the differences that he's making in investing the money versus paying it off is more beneficial. And me being a numbers guy, I started doing the the math and wow, you know, looking at different funds and investing and it, over long-term investments, it typically is a better bet to uh, invest the money versus using your extra money to pay down your house. What about the argument that if I pay my home off early and I pay off all my debt, who's uh, Ramsey? Is his name Ramsey? The Dave guy Ramsey. who's real. Yep. Oh, I sent you that video. Yep. It was an old video and that, that was a good point you brought up. But 
What what about the argument that if you pay off all your debt, you know, by the time you're 45, then you don't need this exorbitant amount of money. You know what I mean? Cuz you don't have any bills. So, so when we're talking about it, we're you want to look at it in a plan um whereas typically your mortgage that you're getting is a 30-year mortgage for the average person right. these days. So when you're comparing what options to go with, you want to look at a 30-year plan of either investing that money or paying off the home and where you would be financially at the end of that 30 years. Yeah. That's but everyone's individual. And and just disclaimer if anyone's listening to this, I'm not telling you not to pay off your house or, or yeah. I'm not a financial advisor by any means. I'm just saying that with that course in particular, I was talking to I talked to you recently about your financial plans and somebody that I was interviewing for that project was telling me that their plan was to pay their house house off early. And I was like a lot of people, they don't realize the financial benefits to investing mm-hmm. um, and the real benefits of the really low interest rates that we're seeing right now. So I wanted to throw some numbers together just to give people a different perspective, right? Yeah. There's a lot of different reasons why you may pay your house off early or not. Um, income guarantee, you know, people work on commission if they have a really good year versus when they don't, that might be a reason to pay your, your, your home off. Um, but for the police officer who we're probably going to have a pretty stable income for the next 30 years, yeah. it generally speaking is not going to be more beneficial to pay your home off early. And like I said to you, and you turn around and went and talked to your wife about it, the average person uh, buy, uh, buys a new home or refinances every five to seven years. Yeah, we just hit that seven-year mark. That's where you're at. Yeah. Um, I knew that you were going to forget this. You keep hitting that wire, and I'm either going to allow you to keep doing it, or I'm going to lose my mind later when I have to edit this. I'm Italian. You know how hard it is for me to control what I'm doing with my Do it like that. That's fine. How long were you in banking? Oh, God. Only. What were you actually doing, though? Uh, Were you doing mortgages? Yes. Well, I went over to mortgages probably like six months into it. Started out with just... um, is an entry level position with uh, a national bank with savings products, and then I went over and learned about mortgages and uh, was doing mortgage sales. Um, Were you selling mortgages at the time of the whatever that? No, era? shortly okay. after the subprime mortgage crisis in yeah. two thousand eight, um, twenty nine to twenty eleven. It was really just a job for me to hold until I was able to become a police officer. Hmm. Um, I just felt like I needed more experience in the corporate world or the job world before I uh, went into law enforcement. I didn't want to just go from being a front desk guy at a gym and a culinary school guy. Yes, there's starter jobs. Right. How old were you when you applied with the county? 21 my first time. And yeah, so then I was 23 when I got What are you, 32 now? I'll be 33 next month. Oh, okay. We're a year apart. Um, talk to me about the academy. What did you think of our academy? Um, what did I think about our academy? That's something somebody does when they don't know the answer to something and then they just repeat the question. As I've learned in this profession. Yeah. I'm tr- it's not that I don't know the answer to it. It's that it's a complicated... who is going to be watching this later and am I worried well, you about can whether say whatever or not you want. I offend them? Yeah. That's... This is a very small show. You have no worries. <laughs> our academy is great in many ways. Um, I was definitely more physically fit. Uh, coming out of it than I went into it. Uh, the defensive tactics um, were very good. I, I learned a lot. 
about use of force and um, the things that'll keep you alive in the profession. This is such a political answer. It is. Cause, but I'm getting to the, the <laughs> negatives. Uh, I didn't know what an arrest warrant was or how to write an arrest warrant mm. when I got out of our academy. Um, and I, there are some flaws with it. I think we're probably, if I'm comparing us to other agencies in the academies in the state, I think we're definitely the best. Um, especially talking with other uh, officers from other law enforcement agencies. Yeah. But I would probably change some things about the way in which, you know, we, we run our academy. Yeah, I just talked to one of our rookies, and um, he actually had a good recommendation about doing, like, ride-alongs kind of throughout the academy. Mm-hmm. They teach you these things. It probably would be nice to see it in action. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know who did that? MSP did that, I remember. It wasn't throughout. It was towards the end, but yep. I did two ride-alongs. I think that would be very beneficial. It was like two months before graduation and then a couple of weeks before graduation. With our academy, I felt like, uh, you know, it was 27, 28 weeks long, right? You were there for yeah. a while. And it was high stress from the first week till like the 25th week. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that you need to learn and that are better learned when you're not under stress. Yeah. And I, th- and there is a, a very big integral part of stress, obviously, in this job. And I agree with that. The Academy needs to um, put that stress on you to prepare you and to maybe weed out people who probably aren't a best fit for the profession, right? Yeah, but I, I don't even think our Academy does that very well. Uh, and listen, I always bring everything back to MSP with the... It was just different with MSP, and I know, listen, times are different. You can't get the same applicants anymore, but they, people were quitting every day mm-hmm. for the first four months, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they didn't care. It, and I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I can tell you this. The crew that we had that graduated at the end, that was a pretty squared away group, you know what I mean? Like, And we went through some shit together, and you know, you always hear horror stories of people kind of getting like pushed to the academy kind of thing, and that's just you know, not the greatest thing in the world. I just I I feel like we could do a better job of front loading our stress and putting the not so important curriculum probably in that time and then the important stuff maybe in the second half of the academy after you figured out okay these people probably they're going to be good for the profession profession they're going to uh, know how to take the steps um yeah. you know going forward so change up the curriculum so that maybe some of the more important things case law search and seizure um all the paperwork stuff that becomes i know i touched the wire it's okay uh, i think really, what i might do in the future is put like an electrical shock mechanism on there that's a really good idea like a dog collar yep yeah absolutely i'm in the middle of conversation <laughs> <laughs> any funny cat like academy stories uh, who, are you, who are you close with in the academy well i lived around the corner from brian testa Oh yeah, um, so awesome. we, we carpooled. Kelly Bowen lived in Ellesmere, so we, the three of us, typically carpooled. Yep. Um, I don't. Test and Bowen are the ones that come to mind. Who I was closest with because we yeah. carpooled. Uh, that was like suggested. I feel like what carpooling? Yeah. Maybe it was a camaraderie building thing or a team building thing. I don't know. It's kind of like, hey, we don't want to have a million cars in the parking lot, so anybody who can carpool, you need to carpool. Yeah, it's kind of where they, you know, pressure you into it in the beginning, and we probably could have tapered off, and but we just stuck with it throughout pretty much the whole academy. That was one good thing about MSP's academy it was it was residential. Right, you lived there Monday through Friday. I didn't stay that many weekends. Same thing with our academy; you get demerits for things. If you got ten demerits, you had to stay the weekend. Mm. There was usually a crew of us, like eight to ten, that had to stay the weekend kind of thing. But 
it made things Did easier. You always get eight to ten demerits for the most part. Yeah. yeah, I I I stayed quite a few weekends actually. I remember one time uh, coming back from breakfast. So you would PT in the morning, go to breakfast, go back to your dorms for room inspection, mm-hmm. and all of my belongings from my car were just strewn about mm-hmm. the parking lot. <laughs> and it was me and a few other guys. And then there was just the DIs kind of standing around it. And I remember that sinking feeling being like, well, you're an idiot because you didn't lock your car. And they gave me 30 seconds to see if I could gather everything up and get it back. There was no way I could do it. But I got 10 demerits for that. Do you think that they need to have X amount of people on the weekends? No. No, no, no. 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 That was, no, I think they were teaching me a lesson, a valuable lesson. Because look at what do you think you were singled out because you were a, a young single guy without a family and they needed people there on the weekend so they're like all right we know Gene's not doing anything no they were probably like this guy's an idiot I bet he left his car unlocked <laughs> and then I did and the lesson is don't leave your car unlocked because if you're a police officer and somebody steals your police car or the things you have in it you mm-hmm. know what I mean so I didn't mind staying the weekends though because of that okay yeah I was single I had no I had yeah. nobody to go home to. Um, they didn't feed you on the weekends. Like there was no staff there. Mm-hmm. So they did have really good food, very good food there, but you only had a certain amount of time to eat. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you were last in line, everybody was done eating. Once that first guy was done eating, everybody was done eating. You know what I mean? So if there's 70 people in the class and you're the last guy in line, you might get a couple minutes to eat kind of thing. Do you think you're scaring away people from wanting to get into law enforcement? I'm talking about this. Um, no, I think the people who want to be in law enforcement now—that's hilarious. You're really struggling with that. <laughs> I didn't touch it. I'm, I'm more cognizant of it now. Um, I think the people who want to be in law enforcement now—I don't think that that would scare them away. Mm-hmm. If the societal pressures that are in place right now aren't scaring them away, then no, I don't think so. And also, I think generally speaking, the people who—what is it called? Like Type A personalities that get involved in law enforcement, people who like to be in leadership positions and enjoy structure and all that kind of stuff. I mean, no, I don't think that would scare them away. I don't know that MSP's Academy is still that way. I would think it is. Mm-hmm. The only thing they changed after our class left and there was two or three classes after, but was the sleep requirements. I think they have to get five or six hours in a row now. And they should. Yeah, they really should. I mean, they used to do a fun thing of you go to bed and then they would roll a trash can down the hallway every two hours and you would get up, go PT for seven minutes or whatever it was. Like but by that time, for the instructor's sleep, like all the things we're finding out about sleep now and yeah. stress and cortisol. And, Let's talk about sleep. Yeah. Why is it that first responder like professions just totally like they almost embrace sleep deprivation? Like, are there any other careers? Embrace yeah, embrace it. Like, it's just totally accepted that like well, you are going. It's the standard. I know. But why? That's my thing is like, why is that? Like, are there other professions or careers that do that? Uh, healthcare. Yeah. Okay. Right. You know, hospitals got to be awake. Drive drivers, but even them, they have sleep requirements now. Those troopers pull you over; they'll check your logbook to see how long you were sleeping. <laughs> That's true. I thought you. I thought you said drunk drivers. <laughs> Sometimes I mumble and uh, don't speak so clearly. Yeah. But there was many times, right, that we would call it out, work a case for whatever, I don't know, 17 hours mm-hmm. straight. And then it's like, all right, go home and get a couple hours of sleep. 
which is like... But I guess you have to, right? Because like things got to happen. Well, it's the first 48 hours, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the show is real. When people always ask me on the street, like, oh, you know, is it really like uh, NCIS or whatever? I'm like, no, it's nothing like NCIS. It is like the first 48 where you've got to do everything you can in those first couple of days because if you don't get a substantial lead or develop all the evidence that you can while it's still there in those first couple of days, you don't get another chance at it. Yep. Uh, you know, that scene, that first day, like that's your uh, one and only chance for the most part uh, to get everything you can and then things start changing. So why do you think you enjoyed so much? Because you enjoyed investigating way more than I did. I do. I enjoyed it for a short period of time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I am glad I had that experience, but I was ready to move on. Like I was just I, ready for a new thing, but you still seem to, you were very passionate about it. I think growing up with four brothers uh, is very competitive. Mm. Uh, I always liked sports, but I was like the Rudy playing. You know, Dude. The short fat kid. Who my mom hates that movie. The, I love it. I love that movie. movie. I know. Um, I, I just think it's a competitiveness to it. And look, you know, most of the victims that you deal with, what we, we say true victim or it's not. And yeah. that doesn't matter. Right? I, I just want to be... I, I want to get the guy, you know, it's a competitive drive. And I think that's the hardest part with, you know, major crimes and homicides is dealing with the uncooperative people. Right? Yeah, that is very frustrating. You know, I got a homicide a couple of weeks ago and half a dozen people out there and nobody wants to tell me what's going on. I think it's probably really like burglaries because you typically don't know who your suspect is and people that you talk to are normally going to cooperate yeah. um, and help you solve it. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a, a competitive, to answer your question, uh, it's all about competition and competition with myself and others, right? You. Dude, you were way better there. than my, you know, Jeff. Yeah, but you were so much better than me. I mean, like when I had a homicide, you solved my <laughs> most, the one I have coming up for trial, like right. that would have never got solved if you didn't come up with an idea. It's a team. Yeah, but you're the leader of the team. <laughs> 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 But I enjoyed, like, I knew, like, listen, my thing was writing search warrants. You know what I mean? That was, I enjoyed, hey, give me just all the facts of the case and let me just be artfully describe this. You know what I mean? And that's what I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I don't think you shared I, that as much. But. I, I do. I mean, I got stuck on uh, the one case. I got stuck being a search warrant guy and I think I did like 30 Superior Court search that's warrants. That's not what we call it. What do we, it's the search warrant bitch. Yes, the search. I was, you know, I if we could, if it was, you can say whatever you want. Yes, I was the search warrant bitch on a high profile case, and I got to do like thirty some search warrants, all superior court warrants. They were like thirty pages long by the end of it. Yep. Um, so I got good at it. I recently had a prosecutor tell me that a defense attorney reached out to him and said that they had nothing that they could try and suppress. Yeah, that's not true. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the defense attorney relayed to the prosecutor that, you know, they were really good search warrants. Maybe yeah. that's from following you and, you know, seeing how you write yours. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. But, but yeah, I definitely, yeah. if I had to get the choice, am I writing the search warrants or am I going to sit in the box with somebody? I'd probably rather sit in the box with somebody. Yep. One of the first big interviews I had when I first came up, it was a high profile case mm -hmm. in property. Believe it or not, I know that doesn't happen that often. You've had several, but. And I kind of just went out like cowboy style and just didn't tell anybody what I was doing and brought a suspect back to HQ. And it was like a big deal because everybody's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, 
we were planning on doing X, Y, and Z and whatever. So I'm in there interviewing them, just doing an awful job because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and John Williamson came in and basically took over the interview, but in a good way. It wasn't in like, like I had taken so a break. So you guys do a dual interview? Yeah. Oh boy. I was a young kid in there and I had taken a break and he was just like, hey, uh, do you want me to help you out kind of thing? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> like I am, I'm drowning here. And he got the kid to confess. About that, yeah. Usually frowned upon to do that. Did he write a report? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now. Um, I heard he's out of state. His wife's in education or something. He was. Yeah, he was down like Texas, North Carolina or something. I, don't know, I think they're moving all around for it. He's mm. a good cop. Fantastic, Batman voice. He's famous for that. <laughs> we had so much fun when we were up in detectives. I, I still do. Maybe not as much. Do you guys still have really deep conversations on your nights? Well, you guys work a different shift now. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that? You probably have, probably have more deeper conversations because of the shift, you know, because the human body, I mean, from 10 to midnight, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, you're being productive. It's, it's more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, now we're working until midnight uh, on, on evening shifts. So it's typing and report wise definitely more difficult to be productive so i think that end up talking and shooting the shit uh more later at night yeah you couldn't have said that more like a robot shooting the shit shooting up the shit <laughs> shooting the shit um now that you're right from those hours of 10 to 12 you're kind of like drained by them but doesn't that kind of speak to the fact that what's the what's is it a 10 hour shift yes and you're expected to work for those 10 hours, right? But yep. it's like, you know, if I can get my work done in four hours, mm -hmm. that's why I almost envy like salary positions because I would usually work quickly. Yep. And then, dude, do you remember that time we had the inve uh, the investigators meeting? And you said your plate was clean? Yeah. Yeah. So here I am, new detective. I did a lot of dumb stuff as a new detective. New detective, how often are the investigator meetings? Once a week? Mm-hmm. Uh, more or less, and that time it was kind of new, so more or less like forced to talk about something. Right. And I, I really didn't have anything. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was going in that meeting. It was Rob Ellis, who had just got done talking about something. And I was like, you know what? I've solved all my shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to help out this detective. You were just being honest. I was. I was just being honest. And you would have thought I farted in church or something. <laughs> <laughs> there was just an awkward silence. And then I just got shit on for a while for that. Things could be worse. I think my direct quote was, uh, hey, my plate's pretty clean. I'm actually going to help out Detective Ellis with his whatever. I don't know if he appreciated that or not. But um, I remember now Captain O'Sullivan turned around and looked at me and gave me a stare. And I was like, whoops. <laughs> She wasn't even in detectives and she knew that was wrong. No. Yeah, everybody kept putting like robberies on my desk and stuff for a while. Like, hey, it probably uh, pushed you along into major crimes quicker. It might have. It might have. Does the same like jockeying still happen? I'm kind of out of the loop up there now, but like where you know there's going to be an opening in like family services or major crimes and people are jockeying mm -hmm. for those positions? I am the wrong person to ask for that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, you're at the end game now. That's right. That's right. Hmm. Is there still that kind of hierarchy? 
Where do you put property versus family services? Do you, you think they're equal? Property is superior. Why? Because you were never in family services. No. Nor was I. But no. Because you don't know who your suspect is in property. It mm. takes more work. Don't you think it's more work to get a guy uh, that's that was very like sexist of me to say a guy to get a suspect to confess to like diddling a kid? Is it more rewarding? Yes. Yeah. Is it make you a better investigator? Right. Because there's a lot of investigative steps that you have to take in property to get to that interview to get the person to confess. I th is it a maybe a more difficult interview in family services? Yes. The kid typically tells you, yeah, it's my uncle who's diddling me. It's, you know, I'm, I saw a guy touching himself out at the basketball court. Right. I mean, whereas in property, it's, uh, I came home from work, my window's broken, and all my stuff is missing. Find my stuff. Mm -hmm. So in order to even get to that interview, you've got to do a lot of stuff normally. Yeah. And get lucky. Um, so I think making a better investigator uh, and all around making yourself better probably property i'm not saying that it's not a, a fruitful experience to go over to family services and, yeah you can backtrack that's and, cool and learn how to do that it's not backtracking that's <laughs> how we tell to them all day i mean i yeah. i have a difficult time doing it because i have young kids and uh i would have a, a tough time sitting across the table you know with those kinds of people and uh, not letting my emotion show. Yeah. Like I always say, like, oh, I'd, I'd grab that person's head and slam their face into the counter. But obviously I wouldn't do that. Sure. But you're sitting across tables from some very disturbed individuals. Uh, where typically with property crimes, you're dealing with people suffering from addiction. Yeah. Kids. Um, or people just need money. Yeah. Which is an easier interview, I guess. Yeah, those were the main, right, when you were interviewing somebody, was, yeah, right, drug addiction, money, trying to help your kids, right? make it seem like it's okay. To get someone to sit there and tell you that they just, you know, raped a, a kid, yeah, that's a lot tough. Yeah, part of that, though, is making them feel like it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? Which is, that's a hard thing to, <laughs> that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, Why are you trying to get promoted? That's like your next step, right? Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of, you know, you got me into running and I remember one day you tell me that's hilarious by the way, cause I despise running. Yeah. I really do. I, I do it, but I just don't like it. You're right. I enjoy it actually. It's like therapy for me. Now. Hey, Rusty Chambers hit me up the other day, uh, while we were working and said, Hey, can you send me a video or something about running on your like toes, not running on your toes, like forefoot running mm -hmm. as opposed to heel to toe. Mm -hmm. Cause we talked about that. And you want like mid strike. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in certified instructor. Yeah. Shorten your stride. But he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing it right. Cause he's like, I feel like I'm prancing. So well, you ever told me just shorten your stride, shorten your stride. And I yeah. still don't do it. I still do heel to toe. I know it. Cause I'll start feeling my hamstring getting tight and twinging and all that. But yeah. Whatever. And I don't stretch enough. But anyway, you asked a question mm -hmm. promotion. So anyway, you used to, you don't run with music. No. You're like a serial killer. Yep. Deep in my own thoughts. So you'll be out on a marathon by yourself, not running with any music or entertainment. Correct. Counting steps and crap like that. Correct. I tried to emulate that and do that a few times. So every once in a while, I won't or I'll forget it or my battery dies. So I'm like really weird, right? I'll be out there running and my mind starts racing, right? Because I don't want to think about how much this sucks or, mm -hmm. you know how much longer I have to go. And 
my mind starts wandering crazy, right? Like I'll be running down the road and you know, there's a side street and I'm like, all right, if I come around this corner, there's carjacking going on. I'm like, am I going to get involved? Am I going to yeah. intervene? Am I just going to be a good witness? Like I'll try and like plan stuff out ahead, things like that. And, uh, it was probably last year or the year before I was out running and this is really morbid or whatever, but it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, I started thinking like if one of my loved ones was murdered, what investigator would I want to investigate? And the first thing that came to my mind was myself. Right, exactly. Right? Like yeah. I want to. But obviously I can't do that. It's a conflict no, of interest. Yeah. Um, so all the people that I was thinking about were supervisors. Mm. I was like, huh. It's like I really have a responsibility now with what I've learned and what have I ex- I've experienced yep. to pass that on. Yeah. Um, and it's not it, – It's yes, I can do it now and I can to a certain extent, but it's not the same as being a supervisor and being the, able to impact – an officer at a younger age. I think I benefited greatly from having good supervisors when I was young on the job. Yeah. And I hope I get the opportunity to, you know, pass that on to some other officers. I think that's what a lot of people mess up when they start down the, listen, I'm, I'm brand new to the supervisor world, trust me. But from what I've seen, I think something a lot of people mess up is they think they should be promoted because they're a great investigator or because they're great at something. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. All that matters is how well can you pass that information along to other people? Yep. That is such a big delineation there between people who really get it and people who just maybe don't understand it yet. Yeah. Right? Because uh, Dave Donardo gets promoted as a sergeant and he's a great investigator. Cool story. Right. <laughs> like, What are you going to do with it now, buddy? Who's, who's investigating? Like, are you passing the information along? Do you know how to throttle the information you're giving to officers with different experiences? Like, are you going to talk to the one year guy the same as the 11 year guy? Do you even know, like, are you going to engage in conversation with them? So you understand what their current level is and like what they want to do. There's a lot that goes into it. Yep. And it's tiring. Mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. I want to go back to running real quick because you yep. make me sound like just like an awful person for not running <laughs> with music. But you talked about the mind racing. Yeah, it's that's my meditation. The whole purpose of meditation is to like zero your thoughts out, right? Yeah, not think so about what nothing. What does zeroing your thoughts mean? I just don't allow my mind to race, and if it does, I just let it, and I don't try to like control it. I just let it go. Okay. So when I'm thinking about, so you don't try to let it race. No, I don't. I don't even entertain. I don't even entertain it. I just let it do its thing, and eventually it comes back to like homeostasis, where it's just like we're just thinking about breathing. You know what I mean? Or we're just chilling. You know, I really try. There are some some days are are easier than others. So when my mind races, should I be calming it down, saying, "Yo, unfuck yourself, get back to just just doing nothing"? Just let it go. It's wandering for a reason. Let oh, it go. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let it go wherever it wants to go. Isn't that funny that we talk about our brains and minds as if they're different from ourselves? It's my mind. I know, but you're talking about it as if it's some other entity. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's you. Right, right, right. right. It's, it's Dave Denardo. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not like this other thing. It's, But no, that's what I do. It's much easier for me to do while I'm running than when I'm walking. I'll go for really long walks, usually on like a rest day. Right. And my mind races more when I'm walking. I don't know why that is. Probably because it's less stress on your body and... Yeah. 
brain can think of other things other than mm-hmm. keeping your legs moving and your heart beating and breathing. But I'm just completely making that up. Yeah, the music thing came about for me because, not that you asked this, but I was just thinking about it. I think I got used to running with music for a really long time. And then I didn't have it on a, a few occasions. And I was just like a wreck. You know what I mean? It was just not the same. My mind was racing and all this stuff. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes like like I worked out this morning um, just lifting. I will listen to music when I'm lifting, but sometimes I don't. It's like a treat. It's a treat. You it is. Reward yourself. So. I see TV as like a reward for me. Hmm. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my mom a few days ago, and I was saying how, how did this come about? I can't remember how it came about. I was saying how I think it's very important to manufacture stress in your own life and put yourself in like those really difficult situations so that when like really, so that when life throws stress at you, you've, you've done things on your own that are so much more difficult sure. than like, who cares? I can only imagine your mom's response. We had different opinions on it, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. She's had a rough go, though. You know what I mean? Like, she's had um, breast cancer, and she's had, like, diff- life has thrown her some pretty shitty hands. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it was funny because we were talking about exercise, and she grew up on a farm. where ex- Like, going to the gym Didn't was, exist. like, what? Your exercise was yeah, like right. going and doing the work, taking care of the horses and like right. going out and doing all that kind of stuff. So that was an interesting perspective because I gravitate towards going to the gym pretty early, even though I grew up on a farm, but my parents kind of did a lot of that manual labor stuff. Do you still like manufacture stress now? Like, do you consciously do that? I'm trying to think of an example. Well, you sure, run. I know you sure run, but do, do you think of that as like... No, like I told you, I said earlier, like running is like therapy for me at this point. Yeah. Like I'm a cortisol chunky. I think you, you gave me that term. Even when I'm not supposed to be running, mm-hmm. like I'm, I am too much, too fast. Yeah. Your heart rate's 190 beats per right. minute. Regularly. Which is yeah, insane. Maybe not though. Maybe for Dave Denardo, that's normal though. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I am sorry to like come down on my pedestal and some things and be like, well, people are different. Right. You know what I mean? I, I look at sometimes I get nervous. I look at my watch. I'm like, you know, my body wouldn't let me do it if it was that bad. Right. That's, t- that's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, your body can, uh, our bodies are really great at adapting. It doesn't mean that it's adapting like for the right reasons, you know, mm. like take policing, for example. Mm. So I was just talking to somebody at uh jujitsu this morning about it where, Policing is stressful, right? I get it. Yep. It does become less stressful, though. I feel like the longer you're out on the road for a lot of people, but that doesn't mean that's okay. It just means that your body's developing these coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that may be good or bad. So you may not feel the same stress, but that's just your body being this amazing organism that can, you know, help itself out more or less. But that doesn't mean it's okay, right? So your body will do things just to survive. It doesn't mean that it's you know, in the long run, a great thing for you. Correct. Your life expectancy is still like 66 years old. Yeah. I I just, I'm using a study for my paper that I'm writing for school. Um, And I, I, I don't know how true this is, but I mean, they did the study on it. Uh, Life expectancy is like 21 years shorter, I think, than the general population, which I guess you'd be about right about 66. 70. And what are we at? 78 for general population? Probably. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Nuts. Mm Mm-hmm. 20 years 
less for doing this job. But I look at myself like I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't fit, I don't fit in that mold. Like I, I really seriously proactively attack my stress and you know mm-hmm. pers- or whatever i'd be longevity. really I, I can't wait to see some of the statistics in the next 10 to 15 years with that because obviously smoking and drinking and everything was really predominant uh stress release for the profession and i don't know that that's necessarily maybe drinking still but yeah drinking I definitely don't see the same amount of people smoking um but i don't even know that um the the issue is cortisol the issue is having elevated levels of cortisol in your body for extended periods of time. And you know how your body deals with that? Inflammation. Right. Your body has a great system. It's awesome. It just, you know, it. inflammation is not a bad thing. That's your body trying to fix itself. Right. The problem is your body has almost an endless supply of cortisol. It can just keep pumping that cortisol out. Right. And your body is always going to be inflamed. And things just, they don't last as long when they're constantly inflamed. So I don't know that. So I should stop running at such a no. high level. No, because my body probably adapts and doesn't release as much cortisol, right? Yeah, but you look at a guy like Ranger Smitty, mm-hmm. who's doing, or you know, David Goggins, or these guys who run a lot. You know what I mean? I don't know that. Do some research on that cortisol and running, right? Like if I run six miles five days a week at a high level, high heart rate level, like... I don't know. You want to talk about stress, though? Like, I'm just thinking, like, I went to jujitsu this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing it. I know you're not. This is a, the whole entire purpose of this is actually an intervention. And I want to get you to come to jujitsu. <laughs> I know, I know it. <laughs> but I worked out this morning, right? So I lifted for an hour. That stress I place upon my body, that my body will get inflamed and it'll repair itself and blah, blah. That's awesome. Then I went to jujitsu where I got. You know, strangled for an hour, basically. Not really, but she get knocked out and check tap out at all. No. Uh oh yeah, I tapped out several times. So I don't right, so pass, don't pass out. out. But that's extremely stressful. Like I'm I don't I'm getting better at going like full blown panic mode when I'm in jujitsu now because I, I have some semblance of what I'm panic doing. Panic mode. Panic mode. Dave, I can't express to you guys who know and girls who know how to do jujitsu can put an insane amount of pressure on your body like on your chest and restrict your breathing, right? And they can shove their shoulder in your neck in a way, and then you can't move. And then you almost get like claustrophobic. And mm. it's just like... It's kind of like when I got maced in the academy. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I had like a panic attack. Like Yeah, panic attack. Like You can I have a panic like attack. I couldn't breathe and right. I was losing my shit on... Yeah, you can table. have a panic attack in jujitsu for sure. Yeah, Guys will tap to pressure, it's called. It's frowned upon. Because nothing really bad is actually happening to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your breathing's you restricted, like and you but you, you just lose it. You know what I mean? Brian Grant has got me close to doing that on several occasions. But I'm conscious enough of it to be like... How do you get out of it? Uh, I don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> uh, there are things called like sweeps and escapes in jiu-jitsu. Listen, I'm, a, I'm an idiot in jiu-jitsu. Like, I don't know. I know a few things, but so do they. You know what I mean? So you roll a guy like Brian Grant, who's almost a purple belt, which means he's been training for a lot of years and he's very talented. That's more or less what that means. He knows my limited knowledge, right? And he knows probably what I'm thinking before I'm thinking it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's ways to get out of it, but not if the other person knows. Does that make sense? You know who was at Jiu-Jitsu this morning? It was your mentee, Kevin Cena. Oh, yeah? How's it yep. going? 
great. He's been going for um, two months now. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be really good. I don't know if he was a wrestler or not. I don't think, no, he wasn't a wrestler, but he's very good at like scrambling. I hope he becomes a good cop. I think jujitsu would make him a better cop. Think so? Yeah. What are the uh, mental benefits or, you know, what, what, besides obviously the physical defensive tactics stuff? It makes life easier. How? Because the situations you're put in jujitsu, especially early on, teach you to like relax. Hmm. Because you can do what's called spazzing. A lot of white belts, like when they first start out, they're called like they spaz out because they just freak out and they don't know what to do. Jiu-Jitsu teaches you to like re- like chill the fuck out and actually think about what you're doing. Because you know how we learn in the academy and, and even in, even down the road, you lose your fine motor skills like mm-hmm. when shit hits the fan. Stress response. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's important to always like draw your taser under stressful situations and, you know. All that kind of stuff. Uh, same thing in jujitsu. There's very complex movements in jujitsu that require you to actually do some higher order thinking. You can't do that higher order thinking until you chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? So I think that for me personally, that's what I've gotten so far. Hmm. Because I've been to situations in jujitsu that are far more difficult than anything I've ever had to do before. Where do you see yourself going with this whole jujitsu? Oh, I'm going to go till the wheels fall off. How long have you been doing it now? Um... Three and a half months, three and a half, four months. And what does the wheels fall off mean? Like I'm, my wife, Abby said it today. She's like, what are you going to be 70 and like rolling around on the mats? I was like, well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, probably. So our head guy, Billy Shaw, I think he's 42, 43, mm-hmm. black belt. He's been a black belt for like two years. Um, I don't know. Like I don't want to say that my goal is to become a black belt. It's not because yeah, I, I go buy a black belt. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's cheating. Right, that's what I mean. So, like, it. yeah, that's what I mean. If it, I think getting your black belt in a timely manner is like ten years oh, of consistent nice. training. Three. Are there tests for each belt you got to do? Like, what's the proficiency with? with my this? understanding of every gym's different, but my understanding of at Billy's gym, um, is he is a very good gauge of what your ability level is. You know what I mean? Like, there are certain things like, I think what it means to be a blue belt, which is the next belt after white belt. Mm-hmm. Blue belt means. If an untrained person like gets into a grappling situation with you, you'll be able to control them. That's pretty much what that means. Hmm. Uh, whether they're big or smaller, you know what I mean? As long as you're not 300 pounds and you're 100 pounds, sure. you know, for the most part. Physical characteristics. Yeah. Just... But I roll with Billy every so often, so he has, he's very good at understanding, you know, what level you're at. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah, listen, if it takes me 15 years, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes. I'm just going to keep doing it. Is that it. the gold black belt? Or are there degrees? No, I, I just want to like be proficient enough so I can actually like teach other people. There you go. You know, so yeah, would that be a brown belt, black belt? Yeah, sure. But I think it's a very valuable skill. I think people get the wrong idea because I joke around and say, oh, I just went and got strangled for an hour. There's a lot more to it than, than that. It's body positioning and... Strangle actually like a little bit in the academy. I mean, yeah, and chokes and strangles are such a small part of it. I don't think you did that. It was always the arm bars and nah, they they straddle you on top, and then you gotta like yeah, you're in the mount of his mounted, yeah, 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 which is really one of the worst spots you can be in, right? Especially if somebody's like throwing strikes at you, right? So it's like how to get out of it, and why won't you do it? Personal space thing. Yeah, I'm just not in the. 
sweaty rolling around business right now you know I there's literally the no mats, so you're not okay with another guy's ear just like dragging across your no, face no like <laughs> i'm not i'm past that stage right like i had to no you're not with you're 32 years old yeah raf is a giant man <laughs> he's very sweaty giant man uh, yeah that's just kind of i don't know i am I'm, i don't need it anymore i would disagree with you Think I think I can get the. I, I, I what am I say? I, I have no idea what kind of situation I could find myself in, in with this job. Obviously, where yeah, it sure. would benefit me, but mm -hmm. I don't foresee myself as needing those skills right now. And that's probably really silly yeah, to stupid. say. Stupid. That's one of the dumbest things you've said in a long time. Is, but I can get benefits in other training. I guess that I don't have to. Roll around naked with you. Well, we're definitely not naked, Dave. Loose clothing, sweating, whatever. Yeah. It's... Uh, I'll get there. I'll convince you. And there's a cost too, right? Uh, really, no, because there's a... Billy is an affiliate with Adopt-A-Cop. Adopt-A-Cop is a nationwide program that pays for cops to do jujitsu. Can they pay for me to do like CrossFit or like regular mm, gym? Why don't you just do jujitsu? <laughs> but long story short, you, so Cine is training under them. Yeah. Um, well, he's training under, under Billy at the Riverfront, but Adopt Cop, you just go train once a week and post it on social media. Billy charges Kevin $50 a month and Adopt Cop pays Kevin $50 a month. So it all equals out. So he doesn't have to pay anything. And you go as many times as you want. You don't have to just go one day a week. Mm -hmm. You can go, dude, there's guys at our gym. Um, They don't have kids that I know of, but they'll go 10, 12 times a week. You know what I mean? Like twice a day and a couple of them are paramedics and stuff. So what's your, like, you're run. I mean, running is your stress relief, right? Therapy, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I get it. What's the, do you have a goal with your like fitness right now? Like at one point. A four time, hour marathon. Yeah. Still. I've done two marathons and. Didn't get four marathons. hours. Correct. Why? Um, preparation probably. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I both, both of my marathons I did, I stuck to my training program pretty well. Um, the first one, it was just my first and I hit that 19 miles and I was cramping like crazy. Uh, it was just bad news bears. And I was like, I don't think it's a, um, I don't think it's a physical thing with you. I think it's a nutrition thing. You're right. So I cramped like crazy with that one and got it out. It was like 436 or 437. Yeah. Uh, the second one, we talked about it and you're like, you need more sodium, you need more sodium. I'm like five miles into it, I pulled something. Uh, oh, yeah. Second right. one. And, but I was taking the salt pills. I was doing more nutrition. I was being cognizant of taking the goose. Um, and even after I pulled my hamstring, I probably like two miles after that, I was like walking, slow jogging. And then I just kind of kept going and it, it felt better. Uh, I was like 418 or something. Um, and those were pretty bad weather conditions too with that one. Why do you think you pulled your hamstring? So I wanted to be with uh, a pacing group, the yeah, four-hour pacing that. group. Yep. And it was a Philadelphia marathon. It was cold, raining, and there was like, I don't know, what, like 10,000 people at that thing. So when you get up there and you're looking for the pacing group, normally they're holding a sign up. I couldn't find them. I'm back there thinking I'm in the area where the four-hour people would be. Mm -hmm. And 
race starts, and right before the race starts, they put their little thing up, and I'm nowhere near them. Right. I was way too far back. I was like, oh, crap. So the first couple miles I spent, you know, you're you're really crammed up tight in those big races. Yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah. And your pace, my pace was really slow because I'm back there with all these people. You've got people who are doing like 12-minute miles up in like the eight-minute mile per section. Yeah. And they're just falling back in front of you. Yeah. You're giving them elbows and stuff. The tight city streets of Philadelphia where they keep, you know, you keep turning. So I was probably like a... Well, what did I say? Three, three to five miles in, and I was striding. I was running faster, trying to catch up to the four mile, uh, the four hour group. Yep. And I like jumped off a curb. My stride was too wide, and I just was like, "Oh God!" A uh, hamstring kind of popped, and you know, it felt like a cramp. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I knew I wasn't cramping yet, and and you probably had never even considered training for that. No. In the sense of like... I had the bad cramps with the first marathon I did. That was about eight months before that. No, I just mean but, like throwing your pace off. Oh, yeah. You know how you said That whole yep. first couple miles, everyone crammed together, the city streets, the mm-hmm. potholes. You're, it was raining, uh, yeah. snowing. It was in November. And I just remember like avoiding potholes, jumping over potholes, mm-hmm. like with a really wide stride off the curbs, trying to get around people. And I hadn't even considered that when I was trying. I remember I did that with swimming. I got some good advice when I was doing the triathlon stuff with swimming. They were saying like, say you want a two minute per hundred yard pace, right? That's mm-hmm. a pretty typical pace. Um, they were saying like, don't just start, don't just get in the water and swim at two minutes per hundred yards. Like get in there and sprint for the first hundred yards mm-hmm. to get your, just throw everything off and then see if you can get your body into that. It'd be similar to running. You know yeah. what I mean? Like sometimes now I don't run long distance now, but if I'm going to go out and do four miles, I don't know, two miles in, maybe I'll just go sprint and just, or slow down or just keep mixing things up. Mm-hmm. Cause you're right that, that you're never going to be able to run your eight thirty pace or whatever it is. What's a four hour marathon? What pace is that? Um, I think it's like nine Oh five. Okay. Nine oh seven, nine oh five, something like that. Are you signed up for another race? So COVID messed me up. I was doing well. Good excuse. Um, I know. Well, messed me up with the train with the training programs and Why? stuff. You can't run outside? No, no, I still ran. I mean I did fall off the last it's been busier than normal than it was. I love it. Yeah. At work, right? Uh and I had a baby. <laughs> I'm making all kinds of excuses. This is terrible. <laughs> um but my the race that I'd signed up for got deferred. That's right. Um, got canceled. They pushed it back to this April. And then last month, they're like, oh, hey, just kidding. Um, we're not going to do it till November now because of COVID. So mm-hmm. the race has been pushed back for like 20 months that I had signed up for and already paid. And they wouldn't give me a refund, right? If they give me the refund, I'm pretty cheap if you haven't yeah. caught the, the idea yet. But if they give me a refund, then I would have just taken and found another race. But I already paid like $180 or something. So I just, they were like, oh, you can defer it. But then they kept pushing the race back. So it's supposed to be in November. Um, I was kind of kicking around whether I want to do a 20-week or a 16-week plan. 20 weeks will put me starting in the next month or so. Yeah. Um, so we'll say probably. Why don't you just go do a four-hour marathon? Why do you need a sponsored race? What's important to you about like it actually being like a, a official race? There's nothing. There's <laughs> absolutely nothing other than I feel like if I'm chasing somebody – I'm probably going to be uh, mm. better off. That's a good point. When you're just out there fighting yourself, uh, it's tougher. I, I th- well, uh, yes and no. I think it's harder on like race days because 
there's so many factors like you got to show up early you know I mean, there's adrenaline you got to deal with and then you got stuff that you were just talking about where like you never know what's going to happen so i think race i think sometimes i think it's easier to just go do it yourself yeah you control the whole thing if you're just doing it by yourself like on 5k's like i'll go outside and i'll run a 5k and i'll be like you know 25 minutes yeah, it's because then five k, Dave. I understand that. So, but then I go to a race and it's like twenty two minutes, right? Because I'm chasing somebody. Oh, okay. Like I'm running. I, yeah, well, I would question your inner drive then. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, Why can't you push yourself to that I next don't know. level? There's probably uh, a psychology behind it that I'm not uh, versed in or educated in, but I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why. Because when you're by yourself, nobody else knows. Right. It's easier to cheat. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that. I still do that with workouts. Like, you know how typical CrossFit workouts yeah. are, say, hey, you're going to do 10 rounds of whatever, mm-hmm. pull-ups, push-ups, and overhead squats or something. My brain does this thing every time. Not every time. When I get to the halfway point, say I'm at round five, my brain always does this thing. It's like, well, I need to do eight rounds instead of 10. Mm-hmm. I, you know, always get past that point. But yeah, there's definitely a psychological response. I will never cheat like on those. Um, Like Jeff Sendak will send out like a workout. Yeah. And a couple of guys up there will do it. I have nothing to prove with CrossFit, right? I'm just doing it for shits and giggles. Um, I'll do all the reps, do all of however long it takes me. I already know I'm doing the half ass because I can't do legit pull ups because I'm too fat. Um, so I already know it's it's weak sauce, but I'm just doing it. But yeah. with running, it seems like even if I'm not th- like when you're running for four hours, I may be my like I talk about my brain wanders, and next thing I know, I look down my watch and my pace is off. I'm mm-hmm. not like intentionally yeah trying to run slower or faster. Just something is happening that I'm not focused on, and then I I, I lose pace. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's easier when you're surrounded by a thousand other runners, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep up with the guy in front of you to hit that mark that hopefully I will hit this year. Yeah. Pace is tough, right? Because I, me personally, I prefer running or swimming, biking, whatever, based off like feel. Mm-hmm. Like, how's this making me feel? And that's, I'm usually pretty close, but some days my body just doesn't have it. You know what I mean? And it might be a nine thirty minute pace that day instead of the eight forty I wanted. But pacing is very important. I, I, if you you are trying to get quicker and faster, I, I do get that. But are you do any sprinting or anything? Normally, when I the past couple times that I've done the training programs, I work in a the Yasso uh, intervals. Uh, Yasso, yeah. What do they call them? like the eight hundreds or whatever. And I think that's. I don't think that's a real thing. It really is. Look it up. <laughs> Maybe I'm making. I, I missed. Messed up the like eight hundred meter repeats. Like yeah, like uh, okay. I'll do eight hundred meters at a uh, like a sprint pace or a higher pace. Yeah, and then a walk for like a quarter mile, get my heart rate back oh, okay. down, and then do it again for like ten rounds. How do you think policing has changed you? You've been in it for 10 years now. And really, that's a silly question because you're way too close to the situation to probably, unless you've done some deep diving. I mean, like physically, psychologically. um, It's made me more cynical. Well, yeah. That's it? You did pretty good for 10 years. No, I mean, 
physically. Uh, got my weights going up and down so many times. Um, and that's always interesting to me because you are a smart guy and you know that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's the challenging part. I'm also an Italian guy who loves pasta. Yeah. Loves to eat. I like my sweets. Mm -hmm. And I do all the wrong things for weight loss, right? Like, I I know I eat bad, so I will discipline myself and go run, you know, which I know <laughs> you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I do. I am. I lack discipline with my diet, right? And, like, I'll put on my training plan. I'm going to. I'm going to run eight miles this Sunday. I'll wake up, you know, if the family situation is weird, I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go run yeah. my eight miles, but I can't put down the fork. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause I've seen you like at HQ, like real early sometimes. Yeah. I typically on day work come in four o'clock in the morning, four thirty, mm -hmm. whatever, and try to get my workouts in just because it's tough with family life and everything to try and get those in. Yeah. How's my policing? So it's definitely made me more cynical definitely had an effect on me physically um i don't know like i don't know if it's just life and where we're at or if it's the job but like i don't want to talk to people anymore yeah i totally get that you know like i don't even want to pick up the phone to call to order a pizza mm -hmm. i don't want to talk to you <laughs> it's sad like that now no, no. Like I won't call my grandfather. Hey, how's it going? I haven't talked to you in a while. Nothing against my grandfather. I love my grandfather. But like I was saying with the other, like, hey, I haven't talked to my grandfather in a while. Maybe I should call him. And then, like, I get anxiety about thinking about talking to him. Yep. And I'm like, is that a job thing or is that. Dude, I world? have the exact same thing with my grandma. I never even thought about it that you just said that. What, what, what do you think? It I don't is? know. And do you I, think I, it's a job then? It's got to be because that's not a coincidence. I don't know why that is, but I get anxiety with that for sure. Did you have. Did, do you have like uh, anxiety? Is such a weird word, isn't it? Like everybody has right. anxiety to certain degrees or whatever. But uh, I guess it's it's only an issue unless it impedes on your your day to day life, mm -hmm. right? Um, but me, like the with the job, I think it's intensified my anxiety. But I have just I just do other things. You just ignore it. You hide from it. Yeah, and I just constantly stay busy. You know what I mean? Like. So I don't know how that's going to work out in you know, 20 years or whatever, but. As long as your wife is supportive and is okay with it, that's all that matters, right? She is. She's very supportive. Um, but again, I don't know if that's a bad thing, right? I, I acknowledge I have anxiety in certain situations give me anxiety, but I mean, I think I'm a pretty fully functioning individual. So shouldn't you confront that anxiety instead of hide from it? I don't know that I hide from it, though. Like, I put myself in positions so like, that you know what, anxiety. you start thinking, you know what, I should call my grandmother. But instead of doing that, because it gives you anxiety, you start vacuuming. Yeah. You start doing the dishes or mm -hmm. cleaning something. That really, you vacuumed yesterday. Like, it's okay. You didn't make a spill, but you start doing it because you don't want to do what your mind is telling you you should do. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it would be more beneficial? Like, you know what? Pick up the phone. Yep. I mean. And it's only going to be a five-minute conversation. I did just see her at my um, sister's. How's she doing? Great. She's doing fine. Uh, my sister's kid had his third birthday. Hmm. This is good times. Good times. Her other son broke his leg, jumping around. He's got like a, in, not infant, I don't know, fractured his shin. 
So he's got like a full light cast for the next three weeks. That's awesome. It's right terrible. summertime. Oh, I feel bad because he has a twin brother. So there's three of them. And, you know, imagine a almost two-year-old with a full light cast. It's my daughter's first birthday. We had the party yesterday. Yeah. I saw pictures online. She looks just, well. She looks like me. Yeah. She I looks, said it to my wife and offended her the other day. Hmm. I just I came upstairs. She was in the bath bathtub. I was like, huh, she looks like me. Well, who's Ryan look like? Um, Ryan looks like Ryan. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I guess I could see some of myself in there, but she probably looks a little more like my wife. Yeah, I miss our FaceTime conversations we used to have. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. Now she FaceTimes me and asks to see Teresa. Why? I don't know. Because Teresa will take her and run around the office and do dumb things. Oh, uh, while on FaceTime, right? Yeah, entertain her in a way that her father doesn't. I guess. Mm. I don't know. Isn't it funny how? FaceTimes like because I my daughter FaceTimes my parents mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. she's on FaceTime once a day sometimes you know what I mean so that's just going to be the new that's that's all she knows you know it's going to be interesting like she knows how to manipulate a cell phone she's not even two yet mm -hmm. but we didn't like we didn't have it yeah it's not like we give her a cell phone but she sees us using it and she knows exactly like how to swipe and, and do all that kind of stuff hmm I wonder how that's going to happen for society moving forward. What's going to, you know, what are the consequences of that? I think actually having face-to-face -face conversations and people communicating like, you know, via the spoken word is going to be less of a norm. I think texting, and I was just listening to a conversation the other day about how emojis are the most, um, what's the word, advanced form of language. Because you can speak any language, but if you send somebody a couple emojis, it doesn't matter what language they speak, they're probably going to understand generally what mm. you're saying. You know yeah, what I mean? The so crying face, yeah. The, yep. Whatever. Yeah. Wife sends me that one all the time. <laughs> yeah. Do her emojis match her physically? Like, did she change them? Um, I guess so. Mm. She doesn't have like that one that's like you can make to look like bitmoji i think it's called yeah i don't think she has that one yeah we still do that um it's just the little girl thing i don't know the purple i fully recognize we totally skipped over really getting into what has changed you with policing and all but yeah. i think you had something with a talking point though because i couldn't uh like when people who are not involved in policing like my family nobody in my family i have a cousin who's involved in policing but other than that so your dad was involved in the policing, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, my family's very nice and they do ask sometimes like, Hey, how's work going? And sometimes it's just like, fine. It's great. Like, Generic <laughs> answer. Know, like, it's great. Because there's so much that has to be unpacked to even answer that question. The emotions, the, you know, sleep deprivation from work at midnights and just dealing with the public. I think it's being a, a, a problem solver for everybody else. Right, because that, that really is what policing and Policing is just you solve other people's problems. That's right. Things have escalated to a point where they cannot handle it themselves, so they call for help, and that's what we're there for. But that is very emotionally draining. Sure is. And even my wife, like when I come home sometimes, I'm trying, I really, trust me, I'm really trying to get better at it, explaining like actually how the day was, because some days are totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's like I literally, I barely did anything today. You know what I mean? Like, I approve reports, especially as a supervisor now. Like, I'm not going to every call for service. 
but there are days when it's just like, I don't. And what do you say to her? On what? Bad day. How do you explain it? I usually go through um, why it was, you know, the, like the actual situation that happened. You know what I mean? And because she's a normal person, sometimes she'll cry. You know what I mean? Because it's like she's a normal person. And I'm just like. What are you crying for? Cynical. Not, I guess cynical is right. I'm numb to it. Yes. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, yeah, this, one, this is exactly what happened. And this is how we dealt with it. And blah, blah, blah. But then she feels bad for expressing her emotions. I'm like, no, you're the. It's okay. You're the good one. Like, <laughs> I'm the serial killer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I think even in policing, expressing emotion is frowned upon, right? I mean, we're getting better with it in just with the health initiatives that we have with the county. Um, like the thing that Nick Heitzman and I are trying yeah. to get off the ground, the peer support stuff mm -hmm. uh, and all that. But to outwardly talk about that kind of stuff is challenging. And, but I don't know why, because we all experience yeah, I, it. I'm just trying, I'm thinking of an example. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were all sitting around upstairs and, and just talking about different things that were probably like the most traumatic or most messed up things we've seen. Yeah. And it was probably our own version of peer support without any education or training. That, that, that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah. you know, no, you, it wasn't you or Nick Heitzman, right? It was just a bunch of like, I was talking about like a messed up surveillance video that I had to watch one time. And, yeah. And Mackie had a couple of homicides that were caught on video and audio and it was like, really painful to watch like yep. left you with a certain feeling in your stomach so yeah like, i think we've gotten and maybe i don't know if it's the profession in general but i mean i think definitely we've gotten pretty good or at least there's no stigma i mean i didn't feel pretty i don't really feel uncomfortable talking to anyone i think it's probably because that group you were in like you're fortunate to have a pretty tight-knit group up there to where you guys can do that i think it becomes worrisome when, and I'm pretty, I can have conversations with just about anybody for the most part, and I'm pretty open about talking about emotions and all mm -hmm. that stuff, but I think the fear is when you have the loners out there who are just kind of not in that tight-knit group or whatever. They don't have a click. So they don't have a click. As your supervisor now, you're wondering, is that person okay? What are they? Dude, listen, I, I, me personally, I park out with one-on-one -on -one with my people all the time, and we have like... Mm -hmm. deep conversations and i think they appreciate it it usually starts with me opening up about something like you know hey i, I this is really bo not bothering me but wasn't this fucked up from the other day or, or whatever the case may be you know yeah i think maybe policing is turning a corner it, it's society too i mean mental health is at the forefront of just about everything yeah right it's such now. a buzzword now it is and it's uh stinks that it's often used as an excuse now too it is and that's unfortunately what happens with these because there is definitely issues that you know we could do better at but you know there seems like the cynicism in me coming out i mean you see it so much with lawyers and and whatnot now how mental health gets used as a inappropriate defense the problem with mental health is this it's an injury like it can't well now mental health is just a general thing right. you can have great mental health but if you start having mental health issues right it's you're suffering an injury of the brain right things are getting rewired up there and things just aren't you know you're secreting sort certain hormones when you shouldn't be because your body is just trying to adjust to a traumatic event or whatever the issue is this nobody can see that 
You know what I mean? You didn't break your arm. You didn't break your leg. Nobody can see what's going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. The other issue is what will impact you in a negative way may not impact me. So you and I go on a baby death, and I'm just like, okay, uh, that's awful. Really sad to see that happen. And it hits a chord with you. Right. I see my daughter's face on that yes, baby. You know? Correct. Where now you're just like a totally different version of yourself. Now, you know, who knows what trajectory that will take. You know, I mean, that's the issue. Then the other issue is you have people that would take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like if PTSD became a recognized injury to where you could get, you know, workers comp and you could retire, whatever the case may be. The problem would be, uh, you know, how do you measure it? Is there a blood test you can do? No. Like you would have to take that person's word for it that they're actually experiencing these things. And when I'm talking about like people using excuse, it's not even, I'm not even on that level, right? Like yeah. I, I was interviewing a witness last week for a homicide and um, he was telling me he didn't feel comfortable talking with me because he had mental health issues. And I said, oh, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that. What are your issues? And, yeah. he, and he made it seem like he couldn't understand, you know, what was going on because of his mental health issues. What are your mental health issues? So I'm ADHD. Okay. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just about everybody I work with. Um, Is there something else here? Like, is there something that I've not explained to you appropriately that uh, is leaning? It's like that you say you have mental health problems. You're telling me of ADHD. Like most people do have Mm -hmm. some sort of ADHD. So we can get on with what you witnessed. I'm sorry. It was traumatic. Let's, yeah, let's hear it. You know, and it's, it's, it's a shame. And I'm sure like a lot, I'm sure every generation says this where like, ah, oh, this generation coming up is soft. You know what I mean? But I, I do think that, I mean, I do think the, I don't know. Like I, I definitely see like my dad's generation. I think they were tougher in a sense. Like they did have to go through more things. Mm-hmm. Now I had great parents. So, you know, I was involved in sports growing up and learned hard work. Is your dad a boomer? I don't know what the definition of that is. He's uh, uh, 50 to 62. Yeah. Yep. 1942, 62, yeah. I think. The baby boomers. Yeah. What, what's what's with the baby boomers? I, I'm i just trying to correlate, you know, like softness to the uh, generation, you know, yeah. what we're talking about millennials and Gen oh, Z. Yeah. What, what are we up to now? Is it, uh, I don't even know. Gen X, Gen Z. I don't know. But well, we're millennials, you yeah, and I. Yeah. And millennials really get. Uh, I think we're getting better because we're seeing how. You know, talk about soft or snowflakeish. The yeah, Gen Z or whatever the next one is, the '90s, 2000s babies. Maybe it's just that the next generation is like really embracing technology, which is the wave of the future, mm-hmm. and we see that as like, oh, you can't even have a conversation with somebody. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? After we just got done talking about how we can't have conversations, I with, know with people. <laughs> how ironic. Yeah. Um. How do we get better at that? By being just like diligent and planning and saying, I'm going to do this, right? Like, I know this is a weakness. And no, but what about the feeling of like, I just couldn't be bothered to. I'm not talking about calling my grandma. I'm talking about like, you go to ShopRite and Nancy like wants to engage in a conversation with you. And it's like, I literally just don't want to talk to you right now. You know Why I mean? is like, it that you, you don't want to talk to Nancy? Um, I'm tired and I just like am emotionally drained, especially if like I just got done midnights or something. Like I just had to deal with the world's problems for 11 hours and I just don't want to engage with you as a person. So how do you reprogram your... I don't know. 
Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. If Do I just a, fake it and then engage in a conversation with Nancy until what makes her happy? I don't know. Potentially. But is it about making her happy? Is that the goal? Do you really care if Nancy's happy? Do you care if yourself's happy? No, I actually do care about making other people happy. Okay. Yeah. Which we had this conversation because we're selling our house, and part of that is there's a little karma involved there about doing something nice for like a younger couple. And you're just like, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) It's You can do something nice for and still do what's best for you. Do you think karma is a real thing? Uh, sure. That was convincing. It's good. Because there, there are things that uh, happen that are unexplainable, right? What does karma mean to you? Uh, I'll come back to get you. Um, if you do on to others as you've had done to you, um, goes around, comes around, right? I'm just throwing a whole bunch of cliches <laughs> yeah, out there. That was like that, three that different quotes. <laughs> you think that you're going to get some sort of benefit by helping these people now in the long run. Doesn't that negate the whole purpose of doing like, should you only do things that are nice for people because you will get something for it? No. That's what you just said, isn't it? But that's what you're, you're explaining that that for people who don't know, Gene is allow people to uh, view his house and purchase it before it ever hitting the market. And the real estate market is crazy right now where People are buying things at 10, 20% above list price. And he said, I'm going to be a good person and I'm just going to let a family friend come in and buy this house at my yeah. list price when he could have allowed them to have the option to match whatever offer he got because that would be the true market value of his house. But Gene just wants to be a nice guy. Why? Why do you want to be a nice because guy? Because my realtor charged me 1%, not 6%. So I'm getting something out of it as well. I don't know why your realtor is charging you 6% to be Well, you kidding. talked about the. What do you mean? Because the typical going rate for realtors is 5%. Maybe it was 5%. It, you split it in half, two and a half, yeah. two and a half between the buyer and the seller. Did that change because the market's so crazy right now? I, I don't know, but it's not like they're doing more work because there's reduced inventory. That's why the market's crazy right now because of the reduced inventory. So it's not like your realtor selling 10 houses right now. Yeah. Yours might be the only one they're selling. Anyway. I'm getting something out of it. But then I always question that. Like, shouldn't you just do nice things because it's nice to do and not expect something in return? Yeah, but I'm saying, is that the karma in it, right? Are you expecting something in return? No, I think it's the opposite. Like, I think if I do something bad, I think... But um, you asking market value for your home is not something bad. I think that no. you're, you're yeah, looking no, at it as something bad. Yeah. Because nobody knows the true value of home right now because people are paying all kinds of monies. So that's what I was saying. So you can list it. Your home is only worth, or anything is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it. Sure. And what I'm saying is that in this market right now, nobody really knows what their house is worth, right? Zillow can say your house is worth 500 grand. But if Nancy and Ed are coming down from New York and they see Why that, you I only keep pay- picking on Nancy. Huh? Well, Why probably because you, you said Nancy first. So it's already Pick a different name. subconsciously in my head. All right. So Tina. Karen. I'm a Karen. <laughs> Right, Karen and Ed are moving down. Uh, from real New York. original. <laughs> they love the taxes Poor Karen. down here, and they're like, "Oh, five hundred grand. My house was a million dollars up there. I'll pay six hundred grand for yours, so I don't have to fight with anyone." That's the market value of your house. So then, your family friends, you go say, "Hey, look, I got an offer from uh, Karen and Ed for six hundred grand. I would rather sell you the house because I like you. Can you match the six hundred grand?" And yeah. you're still doing something nice for them, and you're letting the market dictate what the value of your home sure. is. Yeah. 
I don't know, Dave. I got nothing for you on that. You know, but hey. Maybe you, it'll fall through. I have no idea. I hope it doesn't fall for, fall through, right? I but think there's people- also like, uh, I just want to be done with it. And for me, like there's peace of mind in and maybe the home's that's, going to good people. maybe that's worth the 10, 20% yeah. you would have gotten if it hit the market. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. I just want to make sure you were thinking about all of the different uh, different possibilities. Yeah. Oh, you made me aware. Yeah, you made me feel like an idiot. That's what you did. I did not make you feel. <laughs> what you're usually good for. What are you doing the rest of the night? Uh, I will go home. My kids will probably already be close to in bed, so I will probably at this point skip dinner. Why? Just have some ice cream. Oh my god, Dave. <laughs> We'll see how tired my wife is. Maybe we'll watch uh, a show or something. And I got to be at work early tomorrow and work out before work. So I'll probably be in bed before nine. Hmm. Maybe we'll get a. Which show do you guys like to watch? Uh, she watches a show called The Outlander, which I end up watching with her. It's like some romantic time travel thing. I don't know. There's a lot of boobies in it. So normally uh, that's great. I. Was it HBO or something? That's on stars but it's on netflix i guess so it's like five seasons there's like 20 episodes per season do you remember that time that you called bonnie and i like engaged in an argument with her about our supervisors like o2 level yeah i was trying to explain what does she do for a living she's a respiratory therapist right so this is literally what she does for a living and i was trying to explain to her how she was wrong well she was wrong not in that she was wrong because that our supervisor was walking around and completely fine, right? Right, yeah. We were looking at it playing out. Right. So, yeah. so it's like, obviously, it can't be that bad uh, if he's still alive right now. Because she was making it sound like he should be in the hospital right now, right? Like yeah. His O2 was in the 80s or something. Yeah, heavy uh, smoker, right? Like, right. long-time smoker. But I guess his body's just adapted to it. That's what I was saying. I was like, I'm pretty sure his body's just adapted to deal with less levels of oxygen. Right. She wasn't too happy about that. Sorry, Bonnie. I'm sure his... Do you think Bonnie will listen to this? I don't know. I don't. Th- my wife doesn't listen to these. She doesn't. No, well, that's not very supportive. I don't. I wouldn't expect her to watch. You know, they're pretty long. Maybe she might learn something, right? She lives with me, Dave. Learn something. <laughs> if you learn something, share something, right? Yeah, I know, but do you, can you imagine what it's like to live with me? I mean, we can. I imagine what it's like to live with you. Yeah. No, I lose. <laughs> Why? I, I love you. I'll talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> I would imagine you're very. OCD kind of too type A for me at home. Like I, yeah, you're probably pretty accurate about that. Right, OCD. I don't talking know. Talking about how often you vacuum and, uh, I don't vacuum get on that much about cleaning the house and yeah, I don't know. Well, listen to her and I had a conversation, uh, when the second kid was born that basically like she would take more of the kid duties and I would take more of the, Financial, clean the house, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Seems to be working very well. You know, you got to adapt and come up with different roles. Right. I'm a big believer in like roles within the within the home. It yeah. works for us. Yeah. Not like gender roles. Not like, hey, you're the woman, so you should. Right. But I, I'm not a big fan of like, oh, everybody just pitch in and kind of help out. You don't want things to be unexpected, right? Yeah. So if she's ex- expecting you to do something, you're expecting her to do something. Yeah, correct. Better, right? You can't re- read each other's minds. No. It's going to be interesting when we go live with my parents. That's going to be pretty bad for you. And I'm, I don't think so. Uh, my parents are normal people. Yeah. For you. 
your yes. wife on top of the stress of dealing with your profession and two young children True. living with her in-laws is going to be, I'm telling you, within two months, she's going to say, you need to find a house now. <laughs> like, Because I, I did it, right? I Did you? Yeah. Oh. We were living in the city, had a pipe burst. With Bonnie's in-laws? Or? No, with my, oh, so Bonnie okay. was living with my parents. Um, and we decided, you know, it was an old house. We ended up taking the wall down, like to fix the pipe. So we're like, you know what? We're already moved in with the parents while we're half-assed, you know, redoing this bathroom and yeah. might as well just sell the house and, and move because we were, you know, thinking of doing that anyway. So we ended up living with my parents for like six months. That's and what we're planning on, six months. That was definitely took its toll on our relationship and, um, and rightfully so. I mean, how would you feel living with her parents for an extended period of time? I, I like her parents. So I don't, I don't living in this. You, you're, yeah, dude, I'm pretty easy going. Like, I don't know that I would, Ann and Bob, they're nice people, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. They have no pets. So like, I don't know, your wife's in bed. And you're like, you know what? I really just want to eat a pint of ice cream on my couch in my box. Yeah, well, they have a finished basement, so. I'll do it down in the basement. You're not going to so get me on You just got an answer for everything. That's... You don't think your life would be affected at all? No, that's not what I'm saying. Living with your in-laws for an extended period of time, and it wouldn't have a emotional drag on you or anything? That's not what I'm saying. But it wouldn't get to the point where I'm, like, tapping out. You know what I mean? I'm like, take me out. I can't do this anymore. I don't think so. I don't know. That's asking me to predict the future. I don't know. But my in-laws are very nice. Yeah. So... I don't know. We're going to find out. I'm going to call you in two months and be like, well, found a house, Dave. So I'd be calling me. You coming back to Delaware or you staying in Jersey? Just staying in Jersey. I love paying $12,000 a year in property taxes. 12, Probably like with the next house we get. I mean, Jeff drives me nuts, right? He Why? Because he, he he's always looking at real estate, but he always like, I got a three-year plan. Gotta wait till the kids get out of college. I'm like, what are you looking at real estate now for? You know, Jeff showed up to jujitsu. I heard. Yeah. Let me finish the story. Okay. So- I come over this morning. He's like, yo, look at this house. It's in Mullica Hill. Yeah. Right? It, Probably like 14,000. Well, it's, four, it's only like four and fifty grand or something. He's like, well, the property tax is only $8,600. I'm like, one, mm. that's four times what you're paying now. Two, that can't be right. Right? No, there's no way. They I have know to you're be talking a- about how much yours are, and you're not as ritzy as Mullica Hill. No, right? not at all. So I'm like, you better double check this. Especially taxes. at a four, $450,000 home in Mullica Hill has got to be at least twelve. Maybe eleven. There's no way it's eighty six hundred unless there's something up with it. Like Jeff is easily swayed by like the shiny things, right? So this house had a pool. And he was like, Ooh. "Oh yeah. yeah." Do you guys have a pool? No, my dad does. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that's on that that could be potentially on the checklist. Getting a pool. My wife wants a house where, like, all the kids enjoy coming over. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's the house she wants to have. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna end up building your own house. I want to do that, but I don't know. The price of lumber and all that kind of stuff is so ridiculous right now. I, I just think I just saw it's pro- it might have peaked, right? It, okay, I heard cool some story. stuff like there's like ships over on the West Coast waiting to unload, crap like that. They've been backlogged because there's not enough people working at the ports. California messing everything up. Maybe. I heard they don't have enough, um, whatever the buildings are called, that like take the tree and make it into lumber. Sawmill? Yeah, sawmills. So like when all the interest rates went super low mm-hmm. all these people wanted to build homes mm-hmm. right so that's what happened and then they basically ran out of lumber not ran out but like 
you know, nobody had built houses at that kind of rate before. Mm-hmm. So then they went. Demand went up. Supply and demand. Correct. Demand went so high. They didn't even have the facilities anymore. And to, supply was low because of people with COVID and cutting everything down. Right. It's just a recipe for disaster. I saw 2023 is when it will go back to like pre-COVID numbers. That, that we, long for lumber? 2022, I heard, is when it will start coming back. We got down. a new mattress a couple months ago. What kind did you get? Uh, we went Zerta iComfort. That's it's like silly. We went with purple. Well, we had a Lisa, which is like the purple competitor. We only had it for like three years, and it wasn't enough support. I've never know. heard of Lisa. But anyway, so we get this new mattress, right? And we can still see there's kind of like divots where you're sleeping at night. I'm like, it's a brand new mattress, so it's got to be the box spring, right? Well, it's like, I want new box springs. It's messing up my back. I'm like, what? It's like, I'm not I'm not buying brand new box springs. Box springs are only three years old. I said, yeah. I'll just go get a piece of plywood. Well, I go to Lowe's. Paid $18 for it. Eighteen, <laughs> the generic like builder grade plywood was like fifty three dollars. Oh my god! For a four by eight sheet, and the sanded thick like nice plywood was like eighty three dollars hmm. for one four by eight sheet of plywood. And I was like, absolutely not. So like, we're gonna have to deal with the divots until something changes here. Yeah, we'll find. Bo- uh, maybe I will buy new box springs. I don't know. Yeah, if you think it's really messing up your back that back that badly. You guys have a king? Yeah, we have a queen. Mm. Talking about inflation, mattresses or wood, just in general, this pandemic and all this money is caused. Right? I mean, wood's a crazy inflation. I mean, it's like six thousand percent. Yeah, gas in Jersey's like three ten right now, which actually isn't like terrible. Don't say that. What was it this time last year? I have no idea. Two ten. I don't know. Was it? Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I yeah, but it was up. It's up a dollar. Have you looked at your grocery bills? You you probably like buy the same thing every time you go to the grocery store, don't you? Yeah, I eat the same thing pretty much. Look every at your grocery day. bills this year versus the same time last I'll year. I'll ask Abby. She does that. Does she? Yeah. I'm touching this corner. You are. I know. And I'm just going to. Um, but yeah, I think grocery costs are like up 10 to 15%. Hmm. Why is that? Food cost, inflation. Factories close down. Demand. I think people are probably just trying to get on the bandwagon and get some profit while they can. Do you think it's the new norm? Just with all the bailout money and stuff, and I do think it's somewhat. What was the Fed keep saying transitory? Uh, it's a short term inflation, um, but some things will stick around, right? Yeah, my truck that I bought three years ago is worth the same amount that I paid for it three years ago. That's nuts. Oh, Just because there's. Do you even drive it? No. Right, you should sell it. I should. Yeah, uh, but then I don't have a car. Well, you do. And, no, but. then I got to buy a new car. Yeah. And it's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Either buy a new car or a used car right now. The prices are through the roof. Yeah, we uh, we bought Abby's SUV like just before all that stuff happened. So that has since been paid off. But I hope it's this is not uh, long term. Um, I, I don't think know. it's just a product of one. They pumped out a lot of money and people were able to save a lot. Just think about how much less with the pandemic you saved last year that now, all right, let's go on vacation. Let's spend this. Let's yeah. let's do that project on the house, Let's, which increases demand, which increases costs. So yep. I think once people go back to the American way of spending and all they have, it'll probably come back down a little bit, certain aspects. We were going to get our cabinets painted before we were going to you know, sell the house, before we even thought about selling the house. And the guy came out, like local guy, mm-hmm. but it was like literally – 
two and a half times the normal price because he can, he can charge that because they're so busy because everybody's doing home projects and all this kind of stuff that he was like, yeah, here's $6,000 quote for the dangers of just handing out money. It's true. We just got something in the mail. I guess they're doing something where they're given, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To tax credits for yeah. the kids. Yep. You get half of it up front. Yeah. They increase the tax credit up to 3600 3, yeah, it depends on the age six. of your kid. Yep. Yeah. So what's that mean? So we'll get a. So you got two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you When did you have your your kid? March. March. Did you file your taxes after you had the kid? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe want to double check that. I will. Um, because you'll have to go on. You can go on the IRS's website and change your uh, dependents. So essentially. Or you can elect to not have. Yeah, or just get it next, like when well, I go to file have my taxes. taxes right? right. So essentially, you're going to be able to get uh, a payment every month for the next six months, uh, depending on how many kids you have. So you have two kids under, so it's like $300 per kid because your kids are under six. So you can what? get $600 per month what? every 15th of the month from July through December. Hmm. Uh, or you can take the full $3,600 on your taxes uh, when you file next year. What are you going to do? I'm going to take the money and I'm going to invest it. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I'm going to, you're going to give me money that I can earn interest on? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Give me some generic advice for cops in investing. Uh, low cost mutual funds. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, so a mutual fund is basically a group of stocks bundled together. Um, Somebody else manages it, and they charge you a fee to manage it. So when I say low cost, I mean, don't pay an exorbitant amount of money for someone else to manage it. Go to a – like I use Vanguard because they're typically low cost. So on a generic like uh, index fund that just tracks the total market, they'll charge you like $4 for every $10,000 you have invested. Mm -hmm. It's pretty low cost, almost nothing. Yeah, And those funds typically return anywhere from 8 to – 12% 12% conservatively per year and in crazy years like we've had can be even more. So a mutual fund, you let someone else pick the stocks, um, pick the allocations, the percentages, you just throw the money at it every month and let interest compound and grow. You can set it and forget it essentially. Not right. to steal words from the rotisserie guy, uh, the old infomercial. But Who was that? I don't know. It's the chicken infomercial, the rotisserie thing. Set it and forget it. Who was the guy who got caught with some prostitute and the prostitute like bit his tongue off or something? The OxyClean guy? No, he died. That was yeah. uh, Billy Mays. Billy Mays, yeah. How yeah. dare you not know who that is? No, it was the, um, I don't know. But anyways, don't get caught up day trading. Just, hey, every month I got a couple extra dollars, move it into a a fund that is going to earn interest, right? Because so many people just have money sitting in a savings account earning almost nothing. Yeah. With inflation, you're actually losing money. Right. Um, that's that's my best advice. Uh, Roth IRA and like a 457B? So I wish I started my my Roth earlier. Uh, biggest regret that I have. Hmm. 457, the general rule of thumb is to... Um, a 457 is basically a government equivalent of a 401k. Yeah. The general rule of thumb with investing in retirement savings is do the match that your employer is going to give you. Like, we don't get any match because we have a pension. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, when I was working in the banking world, they matched up to 6%. So do the match and then contribute to the rest of the Roth IRA. There's income requirements. Most people are under those income requirements where you can contribute up to $6,000 per year on a Roth IRA. Yep. And then once you hit a certain age, like 50, you contribute seven. Yeah. If you start early in your career, very young on, uh, with a Roth, you can have at a conservative 10%, 8 to 10%, you know, a million and a half to $2 million at retirement, and that's tax-free. Yeah. Yeah, it's already been taxed. Already been taxed. Yep. Your money grows tax-free. And people don't, I think everyone's in agreement, right? Looking at the state of the country and the political climate, taxes are going up, right? You're going to be paying more taxes. So I think there's a bigger benefit to uh, the tax advantages with a Rolf account versus 457. If your employer is going to give you free money, take the free money. Sure. The 457 or the 401k, you're reducing your tax burden now and deferring it to later. Um, yeah, would it be safe to say, like, if you can max out your Roth IRA, go ahead and do that. Yep. And then... And contribute some money to your 457 to yeah. decrease your, your tax burden now. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. But yeah. just, yeah, everyone's different, right? Talk to you. At most people, we have a financial planner with the county. Right, or the FOP uses someone, mm-hmm. talk to somebody, figure out what's best for your your plans, your future. But, you know, Rob McGuire, I think, squishy, he was, you know, on here talking about finances. And squishy. He's in Montana right now. I saw him, saw him on social media. The old social media. Uh-huh. I don't like social media, man. I don't either. I got rid of the Facebook last year. Woo. I just had the Instagram so I can see the cool I only got social media books. because of the Handbook podcast, and they're doing something they're messing with me, Instagram and Facebook, because they just have a system to where it's so easy to just scroll and click on people's stories and you get drawn into it. And, it's mm-hmm. like, and then, you know, a half hour goes by. And you're like, what the heck? I must have looked at like, I, and I, the same thing happens to me, right? I don't have the Facebook anymore, but I got the Instagram. But I must have worked out like, like looked at a workout video or something like a CrossFit video. Well, now all these things for like these women, like you know, working out in their basement and stuff, yep. throwing stuff around, come up. I'm like, I don't really I care about all this, yeah. but I guess one time I looked at it, so one the algorithm time. said, oh, this is what he likes, you know, keep showing it to him, keep showing it to him. I'm like, ah, yep. show me something else. Show me the, give me back to the cooking stuff. You know what I mean? Show yeah. me a cheeseburger with the, <laughs> the cheese hanging off the side. My stuff's all uh, jujitsu and yeah, of course. basically police stuff for the most part. Oh, there's almost no police stuff on mine. I love it. I do get the... Um, some of the political stuff that comes up. I don't know why. Yeah, I really try not to. Uh... It's amazing some of the stuff people will will post on social media, though. Oh, my God. Like commenting on stuff and mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? Just write it in a journal if you really want to write it down. I stay away from it. Said that. The only reason I got the one is so my wife always posts the cute pictures of the kids. So I, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask if Bonnie has anything. I know she does because I've seen pictures of the kids and yeah, stuff. She's got the, the yeah. Facebook and the the insta yeah my sister posts a lot of stuff on social media with the Which kids probably and stuff. terrible we probably should do that awful idea post pictures of your kids nope the world to see and steal it's like hey we're going on vacation okay burglary absolutely happens all the time how many of these episodes have you listened to mm. just be honest how many have you had you will be 15 i think 14 or 15 I've listened to at least half. Probably. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Okay, so you know how I usually like politely end every show. Okay, we're done. No, I always ask people like, "Hey, what do you what do you want people to take away from this?" 
we talked a lot about a lot of topics, but I'm curious, like, if you there was can have no them... structure to this, I'm not sure. Um, I liked it though. I liked the no structure. What do I think people should take away? I'm doing the old. What's my name? <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, sir, can I have your name and date of birth? My, my name. My name. Do you want my date of birth? No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> since we were kind of talking about the financial stuff is come up with a plan like just do some research the internet's a wonderful thing you can learn anything like you can teach yourself anything and money is something that we overlook and complain about so much as police officers and you can really make your own money and set yourself up just talk to somebody who knows more than you that's not me mm-hmm. that's just something i've taught myself and talk to people who know more yeah. i'll be happy to answer your questions and help you with math and tell you about some of the things you can do uh, but i'm certainly not a certified financial planner i have a degree in culinary arts and i'm a cop uh, <laughs> but i can you use are a, unique i can use a calculator yeah and i can look at historical averages and things like that so um and I have resources that I talk to. So talk to people who know more and start planning for your future. Right. 20 people are like, oh, man, pension is great. Go to 55 and and you, you do the job for 10 years. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not going to. Now make I it. know why it's a 20 year retirement. Right. Because mm-hmm. 55 and then you're dead at 66. What's the point of planning where yeah. if you plan for your finances early in your career, and you know you get hired young you you can have a decent retirement so and you hear a lot about complaining about other agencies and what they make and i as much as i complain to my fop rep who sits close to me about money uh at the end of the day i don't have the energy to fight that battle i let them fight that battle and i'll worry about myself and my finances the way that i can so yeah Get your money in order. That's my advice to people. Good advice, Dave. All right, buddy. Okay. Thanks, man. You got it. See you. Bye. Oh, I wasn't recording. I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be fucked up? That would be. (laughs)